Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back to our number two of the ESPN 1320 Insiders. Get ready for the most up-to-date sports news and talk with the ESPN 1320 Insiders. Hey, welcome back in. That's James Ham. I'm Kyle Madsen. This is the second of our show, the second of four hours today. Four hours right, later. We're taking you up to noon, and then we're also taking you up to two. I was going to do a whole thing where if I didn't have... So, um, how, how, how far inside baseball do I want to go here? Uh, I have... Additional responsibilities here at the station. Okay. I, work at, I, I also work for 98 Rock. I work at 98 Rock. I don't work for 98 Rock. I work at 98 Rock. Okay. And uh, I have some added responsibilities this week on their morning show, so I'm not able to get in here and get set up. My original plan was um, I was going to do the entire, I was going to open the 12 o'clock hour with the D'Lo and Casey open. I was going to hit all the drops that they hit. I was going to do that whole spiel, but I don't have time to set that all up during our during our show. Got unfortunately. it. Unfortunately. Yeah. It's all right. All right. I might find I might find Damien's drops anyways and at noon do the acknowledge me one. Okay. And the uh in God mode himself. I might. Okay. I'll have some fun with it. I don't know. All right. I don't know I can do the I'm going to do d- the acknowledge me like no, the, you just got to do this. And you just yeah. got to you just got to go. Yes, sir. When I say your name, that's easy. Yes, sir. You nailed okay. it. Look at that. There okay, it cool. It'll be it'll be D'Lo and Casey <laughs> featuring Kyle and James. Uh, <laughs> starting starting at noon. We're taking you up to two o'clock just for today. That's just for today. D'Lo and Casey. As far as I know, we'll be back from noon to four uh, tomorrow. But they will just be two to four this afternoon. So thank you everybody for riding with us, whether you're in the chatty house at youtube.com slash ESPN1320 or twitch.tv slash ESPN1320. Maybe you're listening on 1320 AM. We appreciate you for sure. And uh, everybody on the free Odyssey app as well. We appreciate the heck out of all of you. Um, Want to remind everybody as well that King Spurs tonight, purple and black pregame show with me and James is at six. And tomorrow, because there is a Kings game tonight, tomorrow we'll be giving away a $100 Jiffy Lube gift certificate. And you'll have an opportunity to win a Kings jersey with your entry. Okay. So make sure to tap in for the Jiffy Lube Fast Break Player of the Game tomorrow. It's exciting. It's a 24-hour tease, baby. 
24 hour tease. I'm locked in. We were talking about Keegan Murray in the last segment because we're talking about the Kings' second half here. And we are looking ahead to these next 28 games and what are the king, what are the keys for a Kings turnaround so they don't look like they did in the first 54, where not to say they were bad because they're they're not a bad team, but they were inconsistent. And I think one of the things that that the team is looking for, I think you and I are looking for it, and I think uh, Kings fans, of course, are looking for it, uh, is is this Keegan Murray uh, breakout that comes with a little more consistency. Mm-hmm. We've seen peak Keegan Murray this year be better than peak Keegan Murray last year. But largely, like, you go look at the numbers, it's just, it's just kind of the same guy. He just shoots it a couple more times a game. And he's way better defensively. Which is what we were talking about in the last segment, mm-hmm. and you brought up how how good he's been on that end, and and I said, well, then maybe you need to shift what you think he's going to be as a player, and maybe he's more of a defensive stopper and a and a catch and shoot three guy instead of this like offensive force. And you mentioned Clay Thompson and Chris Middleton mm-hmm. as really good two way players who figured out how to be really good two way players, and there are, there are a lot of them. I'm going to leave Kawhi out of this discussion for now because Kawhi Leonard is just different. Like Kawhi set a, a a really really high bar for the for the two way player. Of course, of course. Bucket or realm. Yeah. But the thing I come back to with Clay Thompson and Chris Middleton, really good offensive players. But the maximized version of Chris Middleton was playing off of Giannis and Drew Holiday, and the maximized Clay Thompson was playing off of Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Kevin Durant for a spell. And that's where I had a vision of, and maybe maybe I've been wrong this whole time. I had this vision of Keegan Murray being like the number two scorer on this team, where Domas is rebounds, it's assists, it's he's going to score a little bit, but hey, when the Kings need a bucket, it's going to be the De'Aaron Fox and Keegan Murray show. And I think I'm recalibrating that as we go through this year, and maybe that's not the best version of Keegan Murray, unless he is Kawhi Leonard and he is going to be this awesome. <laughs> two-way player who can create and shoot threes and do all this stuff offensively and then be a lockdown defender on the other end. Um, I, I think that's going to be something that that I'm looking for in the second half is if they really find a little bit different role for him that better suits the team overall. Okay, so we've talked about these the dynamics of, of team building quite a few times here, right? And And here's how I would answer that. I think he can be anyone he wants to be still. I think he can be a 22-point-per-game scorer mm-hmm. and an elite defender and a guy who gets six rebounds a game. I think mm-hmm. he can still be all of that. Okay, But, Kyle, at the end of the day, the Kings, as they're currently constructed, might not allow that to be the case. And so the next iteration of this Kings team, I believe, will have more in 3D, it's more 3-and-D players. And if you have more 3 and D players and some of those players can take some of the stress off of Keegan Murray and allow Keegan Murray, number one, more shots, but number two, the opportunity to not always be the primary defensive player, mm-hmm. then that's where I think you can take another step. So, again, we can start looking at other players that he could like sort of become, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe a guy like OG Ananobi, right? Sure. But again, a 16 to 18 point per game score, not a 20 to 23 point per game score. Yeah. And it's okay. That's that's a sizable difference. 
Yeah, but it's okay if that's who he is. If he's the third best player on your team and he's your your third best scorer, mm-hmm. but he's your best defensive player, I mean, mm-hmm. that's okay. And that's kind of and that's 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 what I'm getting at. It's a, this is this is, I, and I if I came across this way, it's not what I meant. <clears throat> I didn't mean like, man, I am downgrading what I think Keegan Murray is. Yeah, it's that's not that's not it at all. He is just better defensively than I thought he would be. Yep. And if I think that than anyone thought he would be, th- yeah, he's he's been excellent. Yes. And and frankly, last year it's like, man, he kind of looks like he's moving in mud. Like, I don't know if I don't know if he's going to be able to to hang with elite athletes in the NBA. And in one offseason, he's turned himself into this this really good athlete yep. and very, very good defender. And that, to me, just means, hey, maybe maybe he does, as a, as a ceiling, as an offensive player, maybe he is the third option. Mm-hmm. And that's not, a, that's not a bad thing. It just changes what I, what I think the Kings need to do around him. He's still very much a key piece of their, their core moving forward. I'm just not necessarily looking for him, particularly in the second half of this season. I'm not necessarily looking for him to be a 20-point-a-game guy, which I thought he would be uh, by by the end of this year. He would do it for stretches this year, and he just hasn't. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to adjust. He's going to make the adjustments. Mm-hmm. Having a week off, I think, does reset you. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to see a more aggressive but also well-rested version of him. Mm-hmm. I think his three-point percentage will slowly start to climb. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who, for his career, is going to shoot close to 40% from three. He's, yeah. a, he's a spectacular three-point shooter. Yep. The fact that, that he hasn't been spectacular this year or consistent this year is, I think, more a function of like who the Kings have to ask him to be because of you know what's going on on the court. Mm. And he's still caught in the middle between being a three and D guy and being an offensive defense defender guy. Yeah. And those are like, I, I think that there is a distinction that like to be a Kawhi Leonard or to be an OG and an OB, that's one thing, but to be a like Robert Covington, that's totally different. Robert Covington. Right. But, but that's, <laughs> that's a different where you're a guy who isn't going to be asked to do anything other than, hit some open threes, and then defend the daylights out of everybody that you're in front of. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I eat be- I- no, no, Keegan's going to be, in, in my opinion, much better than that. Okay, that, okay, right? same. I, so, I agree. But what I'm saying is that there's a big step that has to happen in order for him to balance. It's like the work-life balance. Mm-hmm. He needs to find the offense-defense balance. And in year two, I think everyone thought he would take this leap offensively because that's who you thought he was. But then he comes out and he's this great defender and the Kings don't have great defenders. And you're, you're trying to find a way to balance those two things. And he's getting beat up. He's a little slow to the punch over the last like two weeks, which mm-hmm. caused him to be in foul trouble. And you can see that he can, he just kind of wore down a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a refreshed, ready to roll version of this coming out in the second half, in my opinion. Keegan Murray, 14.8 points, 5.3 boards, 1.7 assists. OG Ananobi in the last four seasons, 16.4 points, 5 boards, 2.2 assists. Yeah. He's shooting 38% from three. Keegan's shooting 35 this year. But I'm with you. I don't I don't foresee Keegan Murray ending this season at 35%. No, no. And, and not the only bigger, that. The bigger concern for me is the fact he's actually shooting fewer 6.33s a game last year to 6.2 this year. Yeah. That's weird. I don't like that. No, you got to find him more shots. I, yeah. 
But I also, I like the fact that he's doing other things. He's yeah. not just a three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. All right. Keegan Murray. I'm fa- I'm... I'm I'm having an existential crisis about Keegan Murray now. All right. Hmm. Kyle can have an existential crisis about Keegan Murray, but we got to go to break, and you can Thanks. you can think about it during the break. I, I I've I don't want it's not yeah no <laughs> we gotta go we gotta go we gotta go I don't want to I like Keegan Murray a lot I think he has a very high ceiling as a player that's the that's the bottom line. Um, more King second half stuff coming up, and the 49ers closing in on a defensive coordinator hire. We'll talk about that next on ESPN thirteen twenty. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, back to the Insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. 11.30, it's happening. At 11.30, the great Kings legend, Scott Pollard, is going to join us on this very program, and I'm fired up about it. I'm working on it right now. Shout out to you. That's great work by you. Scott Pollard coming up at 11.30. Uh, really, really excited to chat with uh, with him. Really excited that he is uh, capable of talking on the radio yes <laughs> uh, no, uh, four days removed from getting his heart replaced five days uh absolutely amazing um it's uh i'm super excited to have him um you know we're uh, I- i'm waiting for confirmation but like we've had confirmation all morning uh that he's gonna be on the show uh he's um yeah he's gone through it man yeah. uh like I- i'm really intrigued to check in with him i've known scott for a long time um, and it's one of those things where, I mean, you, you don't wish something like this upon anybody, uh, absolutely horrific, uh, what him and his family have had to go through here. And, you know, uh, it's a, right now it's a, it's a feel good story. And I know he's got a really strong message to send out to, to everybody about 
becoming a donor and what it means to someone like him. Yeah. Yeah. It's just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Really, really, really excited to talk to Scott. So stay locked in. That's coming up at 1130 o'clock right here on this very program. That's right. The Insiders. Sponsored by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320. Um, I'm done having a Keegan Murray existential crisis. You're done? Yeah, I've decided I'm done. Well, that's why I bring I brought you Jamba Juice. So you can No, I appreciate past. the heck out of that, dude. Seriously, you, I was... Go ahead. Sorry. It's going to be one of those days. I know. It's one of those days. And uh, so I figured, you know, maybe that would help you, like, get over the top here. Give you a little boost. It's been doing great. It's been doing great. We love Jamba Juice. Uh Come Jamba, sponsor this actually, show. It's actually called Jamba now. Just Jamba. Oh, they've dropped the juice. Yeah, it's just yeah, just look at the look at the cup. It's just Jamba now. Wow, that's like there's a coffee chain that used to have two words in it, and now it's just one word. Mm. More Boston related than West Coast, but it's fine. Yeah, because I mean, it's just like Jamba. That's why. That's why I prefer Jamba because they're everywhere. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> We were talking about King's identity earlier, and <clears throat> Malik Monk is the curator of vibes on this team. But uh, no, check that. I don't know if Ma- Malik Monk is a curator of vibes because it feels like he just kind of goes at his own pace. And sometimes when the vibes are high, the team very much follows him. And. I wonder if that's enough because it hasn't been so far is having that one guy who's like, yeah, hell yeah, vibes guy. And I think that's a little bit of the problem with this team is there's not that like emotional focal point. Hmm. And I wonder is, is that player on this team? Are you asking if they miss Matthew Delvadova? Honestly, (laughs) like it's not like it's as a, as a bit. Yes. But as not a bit, kinda, not, it's like, it's impossible to quantify and it's different for every team, right? Because like winning begets culture, mm-hmm. right? You don't, if if a team is full of dudes who are having a great time and they're losing 75% of their games, it's like, wow, those guys don't take the game seriously enough. But if that same group is having a great time and they're winning 75% of the games, it's like, wow, look at the culture. Yeah. You know, like that's it. But at the same time, I, I I wonder, we we talked about Mason Jones and how big of a deal it was that Mason Jones came up and was as noticeable as he was on the bench doing regular bench stuff, being the first one out there, doing dances on the on the side. Like that's it. That's a, that should be a thing that that like, is just happening all the time. And when he came up, it was like, wow, this is different. This is new. And I. I can't help but think that, that that somewhere along the line matters in the scope of what we've seen from the Kings through the first 54. I think, Kyle, it's possible that the better the better you get as a team, mm-hmm. like sometimes you become more like it's a professional work, you know, like we're all about business type deal. Mm-hmm. And you get away from that. And, and I'm not saying that you always do because I think there are teams that have that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, again, I don't, I don't know who that player would be like, uh, could it be like Juan Toscano Anderson on, on the, the Warriors yeah. on, on a championship team? Mm-hmm. Maybe, I, I, I don't know, but not every team has that, but I also feel like this team doesn't have, like we talk about identity 
I would even say, hey, you know, uh, like, does this team have a soul? Do we can we see the soul of this team? And and I think it's a different way of looking at it because I, I don't feel like I don't feel like they've talked about it so much early in the season, the connectivity. Like mm-hmm. it's one of their like shirts is be connected and, and all that stuff. I don't feel that. I don't mm. feel the same connectivity that I think we, we saw from the team last year. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Maybe it's just that it's year two and that they're trying to figure out what year two looks like for them. And, you know, they're, it's just not the same. Like none mm-hmm. of it is the same. Not Nothing has been as easy. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying what happened last year didn't take work, but it did all of a sudden. Like I talked about it so many times. Not only were they number one in the, in the history of the NBA and offensive rating, right? Mm-hmm. But on top of that, they were, it's not, it goes so far beyond that. Mm-hmm. They're a team that was just assembled. Like they traded for Sabonis at the end of the season before he played like five or, well, like 10 games with De'Aaron Fox. Fox gets mm-hmm. hurt. They don't play that much together. Played a little bit with Harrison Barnes, but then Domas took some time off with Baby. Like then they go into the offseason and even at that deadline, they added Trey Lyles, right? You go into the the offseason, you add Keegan Murray, you add Malik Monk, you add Kevin Herter. The synergy that they instantly found on the court was stunning. Like, you do not see a team that gets assembled out of nowhere, thrown together, everyone just thrown in the pot, mm-hmm. and have them come out and be that good offensively so quickly. Sure. It didn't make sense, mm-hmm. right? And that's what it, it was like. Okay, so what are they going to look like in year two? Well, year two they don't, they don't look like the same ingredients worked. So I'm confused with kind of like, is it a regression where they are? Do you think they just dramatically overperformed last year? No, because like I think what they did was like sustainable. Like what they were doing was was like it it was every single game they were very similar. Mm-hmm. Like they were that team. Like. And I think maybe you did tinker too much in the offseason. You tinker mm-hmm. too much, but you also you didn't just, tinker with the lineup. You right, didn't and that's 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 what I keep. Yeah. Okay, they 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 threw some wrinkles into the offense. We talked about yesterday. We spent an entire segment talking about how high IQ this team is offensively. And so Mike Brown wants to spin a couple of of wrinkles off the off of their offense, and suddenly they can't do it anymore. That does not make any sense to me. Yeah, which is why it feels like there's something more to this that goes beyond X's and O's that goes beyond like, yeah, Hey, Keegan Murray, if he was hitting more threes, uh, if he was hitting 41% of his threes, maybe everything looks different. If De'Aaron Fox was shooting even 78% from the free throw line, they have a couple of more wins and maybe everything looks different. And maybe that's, maybe it like, that's really what it is like make or miss league. And they've just missed more often than they've made. But I just, after watching what happened last year, and watching the vibe on the team last year and then coming into this year, it it looks like more than just, oh, yeah, they, their offense is a little different and they're struggling with it. Yes. There's, and I, and I wonder if they have the emotional focal point to dig themselves out of that. No, it's true. But I'd also say the other thing is a couple of guys on this team that were part of the run it back mm-hmm. have felt the entire season like they're going to get traded at any time. Well, trade deadline's gone. Well, yeah, and that helps. Hurrah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, that, that should help. They should yeah. look different after, you know, reset. But really, there are a lot of guys that are like, hey, we thought we were part of the team here. Mm-hmm. We, we thought we were part of the club, and, and you're out here 
yeah. pitching us for Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi or whoever it is, and our name's getting brought up every single day. Is there... Uh, okay, we have to break. We have Scott Pollard coming up next. Mm-hmm. I want to continue this okay. because I want to look at what you just said from a different angle. We will do that. We'll have Scott Pollard in here uh, on ESPN 1320. That's coming up next. King's second half. Do the Niners have a defensive coordinator? What the heck's going on in Santa Clara? We'll have that for you at some point. Um, tons to get into on ESPN thirteen twenty Sacramento Sports Leader. Now back to the insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen, brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN thirteen twenty. All right, we are back in here, taking you up to two o'clock today. That's James. I'm Kyle. And uh, joining us now, Kings legend, Scott Pollard in the building right here on ESPN 1320. Scott, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, it's it's a testament to how old I am when you start referring to me as a legend. So thank you. <laughs> that's been the case. It's been the case for a long time, though. No, you're doing great, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on with us. Uh, we've got you. Yeah. We've got you from a hospital bed. Um, and for those of the people who don't know out there. Um, your last couple of months have just been wild. And I know I, I've, uh, as much as possible, tried to let you have your space, you know, I'll reach out to you on occasion just to well wishes and stuff. But um, like, what has this journey been like for you over the last, say, two or three months to, to get to a point where uh, on Saturday you got a new heart? So I'll give you the quickest version I can. Um, my uh, doctors in Indiana started talking transplant after September meeting last year. Um, and we started talking about trying to get listed at as many hospitals as I could to increase my odds of getting a donor fairly quickly. Um, and so I had got listed in Indiana at St. Vincent's Hospital there with my cardiologist, Dr. Chowdhury in charge. Uh, and um, so that was all listed. And then about a month later, I was able to get in with the University of Chicago and Dr. Uh, Gene Kim and his his staff there. Um, and then I left there, went back to Indiana for a couple of days, and then we drove down here to do the same thing at, at Vanderbilt Hospital. And uh, apparently my, my heart was uh, declining more rapidly than anybody expected. So I'm, uh, I, they kept me, they, they said, I, I, won't say it live on radio, but they said I didn't look very good. <laughs> and so they kept, they kept me here. Uh, and everybody agreed that this was the best place for me. Uh, they lead the nation in transplants year in and year out very consistently. Um, I believe Duke may have had two more hearts last year, but overall nobody does more transplants of all the organs and, and hearts as well over the last five years or so than Vanderbilt. And so um, very fortunate that this is the place that my heart decided to keep me here and uh, that, that I was able to get a transplant so quickly because of my size. Uh, that was going to be a big challenge is trying to find me a heart that was big enough to pump this big body. And uh, they did so in, in, in an incredibly short amount of time. Um, I've got a friend in Indiana that just had a transplant last summer and he was in the hospital for two months waiting. And that's mm-hmm. just a testament, not, not to the care or the quality of the facility, but just the volume. And, and when you have volume like Vanderbilt does, they have access to more hearts. And so I was able to find a heart here much quicker than anybody expected, but probably the staff here probably expected it. But um, everybody else was going, 
It's going to be a tall order, big boy. Do they have to find a heart from a person who was also 6'11"? Or is no, that like a range? Um, so that's that's the thing that really scared me going in because uh, my dad died on the heart transplant list um, because in 1991 when he passed, it did have to be from a similar size person. Like that's the technology they had. But nowadays um, it did ne- definitely need to be a big heart. Can't just be a normal size heart from a normal size person. But uh, it didn't have to be a 6'11", 300 pound guy either. And uh, it's a big, strong heart. I feel better overall. Uh, even though I'm healing and, and I'm in pain and stuff like that from the surgery, uh, I feel much better, much more mentally clear now than I did a week ago uh, before the transplant. And that is also a testament of how my athlete brain was just like, it's okay. We're going to be fine. You're going to work through this. You're going to outwork the, the body. You're going to you know push that thought out of your mind and just get, get better. And, and uh, there was no getting that heart better. That heart was, was done. And uh, so, again, very fortunate to have found a donor in that amount of time because uh, apparently I was slipping pretty fast. Hey, Scott, I think um, your wife, Dawn, has done an incredible job of not only racing you all 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 over the country and being sort of your rock, but also uh, keeping everybody updated on social media. And we saw this scene where you stood up for the first time, like less than 24 hours in. Then you go for a walk. And I I think the First of all, you just people forget how big of a man you are until there's a doctor and a nurse trying to peel you <laughs> off a of bed and trying to get you up. And then you're walking down a hall and I think everybody else is thinking the same thing I am. How are they going to stop him if something happens? Like, like, please yeah. stay upright. Um, just how crazy has it been sort of your recovery so quickly? And again, the support of, of Dawn being there for you every step of the way. Well, um, it, she has been incredible, um, at, at tremendous, uh, strain on her work life and parenting life, both of our parenting life, but more her because she's just trying to take care of me right now. Um, so we've got the, the good fortune of having a really good family and friend network, uh, that's been able to chip in and help out with the kids. And, um, she's actually driving to back to Indiana right now to drop off number four, uh, cause her mom's going to come in for a while and, and watch him there in indiana so then she'll be back here tomorrow um but also um you know we've got friends from boston that are in town dr wei chi wong and dr jordan shin um they're uh they're keeping an eye on me while my wife is out of town but yeah regarding the the rehab uh when she's filming she's also pushing a chair uh, a tall chair uh in case i i start feeling bad i plop back down in the chair and and she's behind me every step of the way literally right behind me so um i i'm verbal when i'm walking and taking these walks if, if i'm feeling bad i start sitting i go hey chair sit down but um it, it's been remarkable how much i've been able to do um, not every day is better than that, than the last one but um like i said earlier overall i'm just i feel a lot stronger and a lot healthier than i did pre-transplant and that's just because I got a better heart. Incredible. Scott Pollard uh, joining us now. Really appreciate your time, man. Um, do you have, what is, what is this process now look like for you moving forward? So I'm probably going to be in the hospital here for another week or so. Um, I've got a few more treatments that I'm going to end up getting without going into too much detail. Um, and uh, then as soon as those treatments are done and I'm healed from them, 
uh, I should be able to get out of the hospital, but then I'm going to be in Nashville for an indeterminate amount of time uh, because I have to keep coming back here for follow-ups. They're going to do biopsies on my heart. They're going to do echocardiograms on my heart. Uh, they're going to check for rejection. They're going to make sure my meds are right. And they're going to adjust them. And so I'm going to have to be here for at least six to eight weeks after I'm, I'm released from the hospital uh, and, and maybe more depending on how, how my progress is. But, um, you know, we're hoping to shave that off as, as quick as possible. And, and so I'm healthy as possible. And they'd say, you know what, you're a good candidate to go back home and you can do your follow-ups in awesome. Indiana with the staff there. All right, Scott, we, we don't want to keep you all day. I mean, you, you literally are in a hospital bed with a new heart and we appreciate you <laughs> dropping by and joining us and doing this. But, um, there's something that I know, uh, you know, you've had a platform for a long time, whether it be as a Sacramento King or Indiana Pacer, all of the teams that you played for Boston Celtics. Um, but, uh, also as, as, a an incredible character on survivor. And, uh, at this point, I, I think you have a message that you want to put out there for people about not just yourself, but what someone else's sacrifice meant for you in this situation. And why don't you go ahead and, and tell us what, what being a donor means for you now? Well, it, it saved my life. Uh, this, this man that donated his organs to other people, uh, saved my life. And, uh, the, the thing about it is, uh, being a donor is, is, is the message and we're going to keep harping on that message. Uh, but, Sorry, I'm getting. Can you guys still hear me? Yep. yep. We still got okay, you. Okay, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, the message Don and I are going to keep putting out probably for the rest of my life is being a donor and, and how you can be a hero to several people and their families uh, by giving something away that you just don't need anymore when you pass. And it's not hard to become a donor, it's easy to become one. And don't think that for a second that your organs aren't good enough or they won't be viable or whatever. Let the doctors make that decision because they do a ton of testing. Mm-hmm. They make sure that your organ is going to work well in somebody else's body. And it's not just a heart. You know, it's heart, lungs, kidneys, uh, spleen. It could be retinas of your eye, skin. There's just so much that you can do as a donor to improve other people's lives or save their lives. And so that's that's our message, and that's why I'm doing these uh, interviews, is because we just want to make sure that as many people hear that message that you know you're not going to need them anymore, and you can really save lots of people's lives. It's it's really cool, uh, and I, I've been educated myself on this, uh, and I'm just trying to pass that message along. And again, I'm going to be passing that message on for the rest of my life. Man, all right, we. Thanks so much for joining us, Scott. Yeah, I mean, really again, lots of love here in Sacramento for you and your family, and we totally appreciate you and all your time here. It's been really humbling, guys. Uh, re- the fans reaching out from all the different uh, teams I played for, as well as Survivor fans uh, that that have been mean in the past. Because you know, I was a villain <laughs> on the show. Which I understand, <laughs> um, but. That, you know, that those death threats have died down and now it's like, good job. We're happy for you. So proud of you. You're a real survivor now. Hey, Scott, it's all fun. Not not to not to I, I've I'm I'm now following you on Twitter as well. So congratulations on that. That's big time. Thank you. Yeah, yeah no, that's, all, that's all I care about. Is Twitter followers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> clout. I, I'm, I'm superficial like that. That's all I want. You <laughs> did all of this for clout. That's it. That's I didn't right. even need a heart. I was like, you know what? I got to get my social media accounts booming. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, man. Uh, that's all I care about. 
Awesome. Hey, man, thanks so much. Uh, we're going to keep track with you along uh, on, on this journey. And uh, you're welcome back anytime, man. We're, we're uh, praying for you and super excited to see uh, the smile back on your face, man. That's good to see. It is. Uh, it's good to see it myself. I'm, I'm not looking my best right now, but I'm feeling a lot better than I did a few days ago. So excellent. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Scott Pollard. Man, what a guy. What a dude. It's incredible. Dude has a new heart. He's just like, Crazy. yeah, I'm going to get up and walk around. I'll do a radio hit. Dude, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, incredible. So, um, yeah, uh, big big shout out to to um, Jody Bacon, who, uh, you know, everyone here in Sacramento, if you've been around the Kings for any amount of time, uh, you know who Jody is. Uh, she has been running the GoFundMe account for Scott. Uh, if you do want to help out with Scott's family, I mean, I think everyone has to understand what this means for their family moving forward. Um, he won't leave that city for a long time. And then when he does, he's going to need all kinds of care uh, going forward. And sure, people have health coverage and stuff like that. But that doesn't always cover things like your spouse staying in a hotel down the street from the yeah. hospital. It doesn't cover all the trips. It doesn't cover uh, co-pays and, and all the medications that he's going to be on the rest of his life. And so, uh, if you, uh, so if you're, you're, you're someone who dives into the GoFundMe thing, uh, jump on board, we'll, we'll put a link here in yep. the chat house and, uh, yeah, really remarkable story, Kyle. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, really thankful. I, I've done, <clears throat> I did some radio with, with Scott a while back and just such a, such a generous, kind, fun loving person. Yeah. Um, so seeing him, uh, get this kind of treatment. Uh, seeing the outpouring of love for him and then seeing him on the road. Uh, it's a long road to recovery, but seeing him uh, heading that direction is uh, A, remarkable, uh, but B, uh, just, um, it's great. It's, yeah. It's, um, yeah. Trying to come up with something better than happy. But uh, yeah, I'm happy I, to see him uh, on the right track. Yeah, me too. And I, I think people under, need to, like, he's got, uh, a young son mm -hmm. right so you know he's uh he's got a lot to live for and uh this isn't this is a journey for him going forward oh, like it, sure. it, it's a it's not like he got a new heart and everything's okay and you know he goes on his way for the, ne the next 35 years and you know i think it's really poignant when he talks about you know his father having the mm -hmm. same sort of the same genetic uh, problem that he had, mm -hmm. uh, and then his his um, illness was kicked off uh, by, I mean, his heart deteriorating was kicked off by a viral infection or something that mm -hmm. that kicked in and, and attacked his heart. And next thing you know, this is where he was. And I talked to uh, like uh, my good friend Sean Cunningham over at Fox Forty. Mm -hmm. He did a, a video interview with him last month, and. Like Scott had to stop every every like thirty seconds, forty seconds, because he couldn't breathe. He had to like stop and like take some deep breaths and be yeah. able to so he could keep talking. And that's why we haven't had him on before. And even like Scott was going to be part of uh, like I had invited him on a happy hour for the King's Beat, mm -hmm. and he said, "Look, man, I, I can't I can't talk for more than like five or six minutes. That's yeah. all I got in me." And I was like, "Whoa!" Like because he's a long winded dude. Like, yeah, I've done plenty of interviews. Yeah. He's been on my podcast multiple times. Um, he's a good dude. So uh, like nothing but well wishes for him and the family. Yeah, Kyle, we gotta we gotta get back to basketball. 
I guess. I guess. We, don't have, we got six minutes left. We can just talk about Scott if you want. Yeah. Um, no, really, really glad that um, he's on that track. And I mean, he said in that interview, if everything goes perfect, he's looking at like six weeks. And that's if everything goes yeah. perfect that he's in the hospital. I don't know if you've ever been in a hospital for multiple days at a time. It stinks. And yes. six weeks plus, like, man. Well, that on top and, of all the stuff he's got, he's got testing, and he's six foot eleven, you know, three hundred pounds. Yeah, like there isn't a real hospital bed built to fit you. No, yeah, that's that's not fun. So, yeah, it's no. it's good to see him uh, taking this uh, this step forward, though, and and being able to to uh, you know heal up and and hopefully move forward. Yeah. All right. Thank you, James, for facilitating that. And again, thank you to Scott. Uh, for for taking the time out to uh, to join us for for today, all of a sudden basketball seems really secondary. Yeah, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyways, what about the shooty hoops, James? <laughs> well, I mean, I, in Aldi though, um, like if we go back and we look at like the the great Kings teams from the late '90s and, er- mm-hmm. and early 2000s, it's guys like Scott who brought this thing that we keep talking about. This that's a great point. This um, you know, this vibe. Whatever it is. Yeah, the chemistry. And, mm-hmm. you know, part of that was Vlade. And part of it was, uh, you know, Chris Weber and what he brought. Some mm-hmm. of it's Doug. Some of it's Bobby Jackson. Some of it's Mike Bibby. And, like, mm-hmm. all of this collection of talent that was there. And But it sometimes it does take a guy who's like him, who's got an edge, mm-hmm. but who's funny. Uh, I know he's, he's always been um, a little bummed out by the way he was portrayed in, in Survivor. Uh, like he and I have had this conversation mm-hmm. before. Uh, I'm a huge Survivor fan. I love Survivor, and watching him on Survivor was spectacular. And he's not the only former Sacramento King that was like invited to go do Survivor at over the last couple of or the last like decade. Um, but Ooh, who else was it? Doug was invited as well. Oh, yeah. At one point, I think they wanted him and Jackie to do like one of the husband and wives ones. Um, yeah. So, but I think the way he was portrayed was as a villain. And I, I think, uh, he has had death threats. He has had people who That's made him insane. And it's, it's what I think what people don't get is that you're literally with these people out on an Island for 24 hours a day for, at that point it was like 39 days. Right. And so, and he made it deep into the show and, and he had someone who was a little unstable with him, uh-huh. but it made, more sense for the editors to cut some of the bad stuff about his interaction with that person, as opposed to all of the good stuff mm-hmm. with that person as well. And so he ends up looking like a villain. And I think some people go into a show like that, trying to be a villain mm-hmm. and other people get portrayed as a villain. Right. And it's unfortunate, but I think a lot of people have given him a hard time after the fact. And it's not something you would think about going into a show like that. Mm-mm. Like you're thinking there's some, there are some people going like, Oh, I'm going to try to be a villain. But then they don't understand what that means after the fact. Yeah. And social media and like running into people <laughs> on the street. It's funny because Survivor is so far off my radar. Yeah. As a cultural thing. I understand it's a massive cultural thing still. I'm not trying to knock the show. Oh, yeah. But it's funny because it's so far off my radar that the idea of somebody receiving death threats over it is like, that doesn't, that's a television show. That's just a T. Te- yeah. Well, but I mean, people get death threats over sports too. So I guess it's kind of the same deal. No, it is. And I think for me, um, like watching him go through that journey as always being a guy who, you know, 
funny hair and crazy mustaches and like big personality. And then to be, to have it switched on you, I think was very difficult for him. And I, it's not something that I think people think of at all. And, you know, but yeah. I think we're all a little different away from, you know, the microphone. We're all a little different in general, you know, when you get away from work life or, you know, when you go out to dinner life, like every bit of your life, you're different. Mm-hmm. And then to have it all put out there is just really, really strange. Yeah, no doubt. So um, I don't want to talk about the Kings this segment because we have like four minutes left. Yeah. Five minutes ish. Okay. Four or five minutes. Um, <clears throat> the 49ers defensive coordinator thing is weird. Okay. And we'll get back to the Kings, but I wanted to figure out a place to put this and I'm going to do it right here. There's been, like, no reporting, no firm reporting. Usually when a team is hiring a coach or coordinator, right, there's, hey, this person is on the short list, or they're interviewing this person, or uh, keep an eye on X, Y, and Z person. There's been nothing. We got a, re- a, a report from Tim Kawakami, a report I, I put in heavy air quotes, because it, it wasn't, like, if Tim is going to report news he will say like he will hard report the news but he was more or less like it sounds like they might be closing in on a on a na- on a defensive coordinator and it may or may not be announced soon like, oh okay huh that's weird and he talks to people like tim knows people so he heard something but nothing from and then mike silver yesterday reports that in nfl coaching circles the thought is that the Niners are going to hire internally. But that's not, hey, the Niners are doing this firm report. It's, yeah, hey, people around the NFL just think they're hiring internally based on who is and is not getting interviews. Mm. So I started looking. I, I don't I don't like it. I don't like anything that's happening here for San Francisco because they need to get this, like, correct. Oh, no, this has to be a home run. Like, they have to nail this. yeah. And because Steve Wilkes, here's here's the whole thing. Steve Wilkes is a good defensive coordinator. He did a he did a, a not bad job this year. And in in my mind, he should probably get another defensive coordinator job and someday get another head coach job. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at on Steve Wilkes. The fit wasn't great with the 49ers, and they weren't going to maximize the talent they have moving forward under Steve Wilkes. I get that, I understand it, and that's why they made the move they made. But now that means that whoever you now hire whether it is Daniel Bullocks, who's their safeties coach, or whether it is Johnny Holland, who's been in the league as a, as a linebackers coach for forever, and he's been with the Niners since 2017, um, whether it is uh, Nick Sorensen, who's their passing game specialist, and Nichols coach, who's only been with the team for two years, but he's came up in the in the Pete Carroll system in, in, in 2013, was where he got his footing in the NFL as a coach, and that's what the Niners are looking for. Whoever it winds up being has to be one of the two or three best defensive coordinators in the league. Mm. There can't be any slip-up. The the Niners' defense now, next year, there is an immense pressure for them to be the best defense in the league or one of the two best defenses in the league. They can't, again, be like, yeah, they're good, but they're going to have these hiccups here and there, and they're going to have a three-week stretch where they're just not trying, and then effort's a problem in the NFC title game. That cannot happen anymore. And I would hate to be whoever's following Steve Wilkes. Yeah, so Kyle, you 
you did a good job of laying this out. You had a list that you created and you broke down uh, on Niners mm-hmm. Wire all of the potential guys and whether they would be like just in house mm-hmm. and whether they could be considered or not, including Mike Brown's son, who who's mm-hmm. on on staff. Yeah. And, and so these things, they actually, this is such a big hire, mm-hmm. and you can see how one guy can get it wrong, and that's that's a tough thing. Like it's. Yeah. It's just very specific. Like the whole season, it doesn't matter what the end result was when you look at the fact that the Niners lost in the Super Bowl and barely lost, mm-hmm. but the entire season felt off. It did. And, and their their statistics from the year before, almost identical. And in a lot of points, they were better la- uh, this season than they were the year before mm-hmm. under DeMarco, uh, D'Amico Ryans. Mm-hmm. But um, it didn't feel right. It didn't, like the whole time it was wrong. And mm-hmm. you could feel it, and it's weird how it just stood out so much all the way throughout the season. Yeah, that you got a higher wrong. Yeah, even though it was like ostensibly working. Yeah, they were the number one seed. They went to the Super Bowl. They they gave up 19 points in regulation in the Super Bowl. I get, <laughs> but there were it was it was just a little off, and now they're in this space that I don't the this how secretive it's been has been weird yeah the fact that they're leaning toward an internal hire i think is is uh, i mean i get it because you want somebody that you've been around and you're confident that they know what you're looking for but also like it feels like if you're letting go of a of a defensive coordinator who did the job that steve wilkes did last year it's for somebody who you know is like hey man we went and got pete carroll or we had bill belichick and that's our new defense court Man, if you're hiring like Nick Sorensen as your defensive coordinator, who's never been a coordinator before, mm. hey, I, uh, you know Mike Brown talks about this all the time. The going from good to great, yeah, is not easy. And, and finding a way to take that step from good to great, and and I think that that's and even from great to like beyond great, mm-hmm. which is where the Niners are when you make it to the Super Bowl. Your elite, 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 mm-hmm. and there has to be everything has to be right. Yeah, 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 man. All right, let's get back into the Kings. Our two hours are up. We got two more hours to go. That's right. We're taking the first two hours from D'Lo and KC today. Uh, that's James. I'm Kyle. We got, dude. I'm so confident in us right now. I'm gonna go stretch got, or something. We got so much to do. I gotta go talk to Jesse. All right. I gotta figure out what the heck we're doing. Uh, <laughs> that's James. I'm Kyle. We're the insiders. We're not going anywhere. Uh, we're rocking with you until 2, and then we're handing it off to D'Lo and Casey right here on ESPN 1320, Sacramento Sports Theater. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 